welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. I've been thinking about starting a healing school like Monday through Friday at night, even if it's online, just healing every day. Um, our healing instructors right now in our healing school on Monday, uh, Danielle and Patsy, they're firing away on healing every week at the noon hour on Monday. But <clears throat> I'm wondering if we should up that a little bit just for the times we're living in. I mean, Jesus said in the last days there'd be an escalation of pestilence and things like that. And I just thought, you know what? I'd rather just stay healthy than get sick and have to get healed. Um, and there's a way to stay above it. I mean, there is. I mean, the Bible, health, health is a Bible word as well as healing. Thank God for healing if we're sick. But health is also a Bible word which talks about divine protection. Not, you know, no evil befalling, you know, any plague coming near your dwelling. All that stuff has to pass over your life, you know, pass over because of the blood. And so I was thinking, Lord, what's a good book on divine healing? Because I've read a lot of books on divine. Now, the best book is the B-I-B-L-E, amen? But there are some teachers God's given the church to help us understand scriptures, and they're anointed of God to help us to do that. When I say anointed, I mean empowered of God to help us to do that. But I was thinking, what's a really good book that would build everybody up and help them to be healed if they're sick and to stay healthy if they are, if they are well? Anybody want to know what that book is besides the Bible? You want to know what it is? I have it with me here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. You ready? If you want to stay healthy, if you want to be healed, if you want to stay healthy, this book is my number one choice right now as your pastor. Love. The Way to Victory by Kenneth E. Hagan. I don't know if they can see that. If you guys can focus on the book from the center cam. But this book right here, Love, The Way to Victory, is the best book right now on divine healing that I know of. Let me put it this way. Faith without, faith, excuse me, faith works by love. How do you receive from God? By faith. What if your faith's not working? Can't receive from God. Faith works by love, the Bible says. So the enemy, here's what the enemy wants to do. When I say the enemy, I'm talking about invisible demon forces that try to bother all of us at times. They want you to violate love so your faith won't work next time the devil attacks you. It's not always faith that we need to look at if we're not receiving from the Lord properly. Sometimes we need to look at what makes faith work. If, if faith works by love, then faith don't work by selfishness. <laughs> right? How many glad you can be clean and forgiven for any sin you've ever committed? past, present, or future, right? Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But here's what we need. We need to protect our faith because it's being challenged and tried in these last times more than ever, in these last days more than ever. There are outright assaults of the devil against our faith in these last days, probably like no other days. It's amazing what's going on. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. Let's start here. And if we have the Today's Living Bible on this one, let's get that ready. 
I'm going to read it out of the King James first, and before we read it out of the TLB, the Living Bible, I'm going to read it to you out of the King James, and then I'll have them put that on the screen. In 1 Peter 4, 8, TLB. So in the King James, it says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Now, the word charity here, I don't know why they translated it this way. It should have been translated love. It's the love of God. He's talking here about agape. The word is agape. Have fervent love one for another. Excuse me. Above all. Everybody say above all. Above all. That sounds a little important. Or does that sound really important? Above all. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. <laughs> if you're going to remember one thing, remember this. What is it? Have fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. So much in this one verse right here. Um, when it says above all, now this is interesting because some people will, will just, you know, read the surface of the Bible. And they say, oh, this, is, this, this contradicts another scripture. Because there's, there's another scripture in Ephesians that says, above all, take the shield of faith. Whereby you shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This scripture says, above all, have fervent love among yourselves. See, I knew it. The Bible's a farce. Contradictions. Read the context. If you read Ephesians 6, where it says, above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's talking about our dealings with the devil. We don't love him. Love don't work with him. The greatest thing in your spiritual warfare arsenal, warfare, is the shield of faith when it comes to dealing with demons and the devil. It's your greatest asset. The devil don't care if you love him or not. <laughs> but you have faith against him. And if you lift up the shield of faith, you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one above all the armor that you have in this area, the armor of God. That's the most important part. To quench, if you want to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. When it comes to our relations with other people, Put it up there. Above all, have fervent love among yourselves. You know, we're not dealing. I know some of you think your spouse is the devil. That, that's not what we're talking about. You, know, you need to have fervent love toward him. <laughs> no, no, no. Have, have, above all, have fervent love one toward another, right? Just being real. We like to be real here, right, in the church. Get behind me, Satan. So I want you to look at 1 Peter 4, verse 8, out of the TLB, the Living Bible. This is a very interesting view of this scripture. Do we have the TLB? We don't have it? Okay. I will read it to you. Most important of all, Paul, uh, Peter said, continue to show deep love for each other, for love makes up for many of your faults. I mean, you could be the wickedest, darkest, craziest, greatest sinner in the entire Mesa County. And if you start practicing walking in the God kind of love, it starts to erase and make up for many of your faults. You can actually regain trust by walking in love from people that totally distrust you right now. One thing I like about the Lord and walking with God is you can be restored from anything you believe you can be restored from. 
Some people believe they can't be restored and they go down, not because God wanted them to, but because they believed they couldn't be restored and they didn't walk the restoration route. But I thought, was, isn't that interesting? Love makes up for many of your faults. The devil will do his best to get you to give up. I'm telling you, he will get you, he will beat you, he will hound you, he will buffet you because of all your mistakes and all your past failures and all those times you messed up and he, he's going to try to get you to quit. No, 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 no. Love makes up for many of your faults. You can, you know, Kenneth Hagin, my, one of my spiritual father, like many of, of you and many watching, he said something one time and it really rang true to me because I had condemnation and guilt of things I did in my past. And one time he was preaching, he said, you know, it's not what you've done that matters. It's what you do afterwards because it ain't over yet. And the blood is powerful. It will cleanse every stain, turn crimson into white as snow. I mean, it is the blood of Jesus can fix anything and cleanse anything. It's just some people don't believe it's that powerful and they do without, but all along it was that powerful and they should have believed more in the precious blood of Christ to forgive them and cleanse them. So, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 on February 14th. And let's look here at God's definition of love. Now you're going to see things in here that you can't do unless you're born again. I'm going to say that again. You're going to, we're going to read things in the next few minutes that you can't do if you're not a Christian. And this is so far opposite of human love. And most people are used to operating in human love that this will blow your mind if you're not in the scriptures like you need to be and filled with the Holy Spirit because it's going to look like too far out there. Who can do that? Who can do that? You can if you're a born-again believer by yielding to the love he put in you. Um, so I want to, um, so we're going to read here, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to find out in about four verses what God's definition of love is, the love of God, not, not human love, the love of God. And so I think we all ought to get in the habit of maybe just saying this for a while. You know, if you're married, say it to your spouse. If you've got other people in your life that you love and you, know, you, you want to be a blessing to, maybe we should say, say it this way. Carla? Hi, 1 Corinthians 13, you. Carla, I 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, you. Now, isn't that romantic? It really is romantic. Because really, a lot of times when people say, I love you, if you really analyze it and put it under a microscope, what they're really saying is this. I love what you do for me. And that's not the love of God. Ever hear somebody go, I love you, I need you. Well, um, that sounds like a love to where you, you, you love what they do for you. Right. The love of God very simply says, I love you, period. Whether you love me back, slap me, give me a thank you card, don't care, didn't do it for that, not trying to earn something, I love you. And when it comes to marriage, is anybody considering marriage? Because <laughs> i got a few prospects. <laughs> Carl and I try to be a matchmaker, but we stopped in the, a long time ago. <laughs> but really, if you think about marriage, if you think about marriage, people that are wanting to get married, 
instead of looking for the right person, 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 looking for the right, how about work on being the right person and God will bring that person your way. All you have to do is ask yourself, do I want the person that, do do I want, (laughs) do I want to have the kind of person I want or do I want to be the kind of person that I want? I mean, if you're going to have a list for them, maybe that same list ought to apply to you. (laughs) (laughs) Kind, faithful, loyal, rich, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Hopefully that's on the bottom of the list, right, with looks. Rich and looks should be on the bottom of the list when you're looking for a spouse. Can I get a witness? I said rich and looks should be on the bottom of your list when you're looking for a spouse because charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Don't get married because of infatuation, people. That changes like a roller coaster. <laughs> right? Okay, so where are we? First Corinthians, all right, 13. Let's go ahead and, and read uh, just from verse 4. We're going to talk about the characteristics. Now remember, when you, ta- when you feel led to, and hopefully you're telling your spouse that you love them every day. Sure got quiet in here. <laughs> but you might want to say, honey... First Corinthians 13, you. Because you're saying, you're not just saying words, you're, you're doing something. You're living a certain way. So, you ready for it? Yep. Now, in the King James, it's the word charity. It should be the word love. It's agape. It's the love of God. It says, love suffers long. How many of you like it already? <laughs> love what? What's the first thing God wants to know about love? Love hurts. <laughs> Come on, don't tell me you've ever heard that song, Love Hurts. Anybody ever heard that song, Love Hurts, by Nazareth? Oh, my goodness. I was playing the A-track of that like, the, like the, when I was in 12th grade and getting ready to, for summer vacation. It was like, I was, this, anyway. They had it right in this part anyway. Love, what's the first characteristics of love? You know why? Because when you're really walking in love, it's more about the other person than you. It's more about their welfare than your welfare. It's more about seeing that their, their interests are highlighted, not yours. And that hurts the flesh. That hurts the flesh. You know, when you hurt in certain areas, it's a sign that you're growing spiritually. <laughs> when you hurt in the flesh, you're growing spiritually on the inside. And so love suffers long. Oh, wait a minute. It's not, that's not a period. Love suffers long and is kind. <laughs> what does that mean? That means... Being patient's not enough. You gotta be kind while you're being patient. One translation says in this verse right here, love is graceful under pressure. Another one says, love is never tired of waiting. Yeah, you can't do that in your own power. Get saved and you'll be able to do it. But, it, but once you're saved, you're still going to feel like doing things you shouldn't do. But yield to the love of God in you. Be, and you're not going to be yield to it if you're not aware of it. The Bible says, if you're a believer, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto you. It's already in there. That's the thing scratching you when you say you hate someone. Because if you're being scratched in here when you say, I hate my mother-in-law, I hate my father-in-law, I hate this... 
as a Christian, the Bible says anyone that hates his brother does not have eternal life abiding in them. And that scratchy thing down there is a sign you're born again. You're just not yielding to the right part of your being. You're yielding to your flesh and your emotions instead of the love of God in your heart. Let's just read the rest of this, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Love, love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So can you just turn to somebody next to you and say, I 1 Corinthians 13, you. And then turn the other way in case you miss somebody. <laughs> okay. And if there's nobody next to you, just say, Lord, I 1 Corinthians 13 you. Now, here's another interesting thought. You want to hear another interesting thought? Everything we're going to read here, have read and going to read in the Amplified Version, God's already treating you that way. How many are glad God's being patient with you and kind at the same time? So let's read this now, the AMPC, Amplified, AM, AM, yeah, classic. Let's read out of the classic, guys. So here it is. This is God talking to us. His definition of love, love endures long and is patient and kind. Stop right there. We can only handle so much. <laughs> Hold on, man. Yeah, I got that. Do you really? <laughs> like the camera on you for 24 hours, you know. This. Okay, so let's, let's break this down. Love endures long and is patient and kind. What we got somebody says, I can't take it anymore. Love can. Love can. I'm only human. Newsflash. No, you're not. You're part human. You're made in the image and likeness of God and he is spirit. Well, I'm only human. No, you're not. And if you're a believer, not only are you not only human, you got the love of God in you to help you do this. And one of the best ways to grow in love is start saying this about yourself and then start acting it out every day of your life yeah. on purpose. I endure long and I am patient and kind because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit which has been given unto me. I'm a child of God. I'm born of God. God is love. I'm born of love. My nature is love. I don't just do these things. I am these things. Renew your mind to these truths. Start practicing love and you will grow and develop in the love of God. Now listen closely, church. Listen closely. This is how you will stand strong in the evil day. Let's listen closely. Not when, uh, excuse me, not if something tries to come to you. When something comes against you. An evil attack of the devil. Depression, a broken heart like you feel like you can't handle. Addictions or whatever. When these things come against you, you're going to want to be in good shape to overcome them. And love will keep you in good shape. It'll keep your faith working when demons come against your brain and try to get you off the course you know God has for your life. Are you following me? You're going to need these things you may think you don't need this right now, but you're going to need these things sometime in your future, life or death. And hearing and doing what you're hearing today will see you through it all. Amen. All right? So love endures long. So it's one thing to be patient, but it's another thing to be kind while you're enduring long.
Say this, I, I am graceful, graceful under pressure. <laughs> Say this, I, I am never tired of waiting because the love of God is in me. This goes right along with something it says at the end of these verses. You don't have to go there, but it says at the end of these four verses in the Amplified, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love never weakens, never fades out. Love never comes to an end. So, you can just kind of check yourself where you're at in these situations. Where are you at in walking in love? How many know nobody can make us do anything? The devil can't make us do anything. God won't make us do anything. How many know we can walk in love anytime we choose to? But you're not going to know what to choose if you don't know what it is. How many think it would be good if some of us just slowed down a little bit, walked a little softer before the Lord, and kind of analyzed situations and not get caught off guard so easily? Just kind of take it a little easier in life, you know? And here comes an un uncomfortable, unlovely situation. Slaps you upside the face. And you go, your, nature, your, your first response is, I'm going to punch this person. But because you heard these teachings, something else floats up to your mind. Love is kind. Love trusts God to work things out. Think about, this This will help you in this area of enduring long and being patient and kind. You're right. This will help you out. When you feel like you just can't take it anymore. When you feel like you just, I can't take it anymore. Just remember this. You're dealing with one person. God puts up with all of us. <laughs> they'll, they'll mill you out. They start laughing. It's like, <laughs> here I'm all frustrated because this one person is, is doing me wrong or Doing, yeah. And here, God's putting up with this whole bunch at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind while he's doing it. Who is that? Who is God? Your father. Yeah. Some of him is in you. You can do this. Now, you don't get there overnight. Duh. Love is a fruit of the spirit. Love is a fruit. If fruit grows, but the more you confess it and the more you act in it, the more it will develop in your life. You know, one of the scriptures we're going to read here, it says, love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Love takes no account of the evil done to it and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, there's your gauge. <laughs> Look at that gauge right now in your life. Where are you at in love? Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong? How can you do that? It's supernatural. You have to be born again, and you have to believe the love of God's in you, and you have to yield to that love. It's amazing. So let's read some more. You ready? Love endures long and is patient and kind. Now, before we go further, I read one more thing here. There's too much quitting going on today. For reasons that the love of God could overcome. Now, if you're not going to yield to the love of God, I know why people are getting out of stuff marriages and out of churches and, but but the love of God it, it's it's never tired of waiting it endures long it's patient it's kind it it bears everything without weakening yeah. all right you listening to me and so how many of you agree there's too much quitting going on yeah. Yeah. I mean we're not dumb right we understand I mean there's 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 abuse right you block the punch okay <laughs> block it 
But some of these things that people are quitting over are just like, what? So, so tell me again why you're getting a divorce. Well, pastor, because I'm not happy. You want to slap some people, you know? It's like, how long have you been going to church? Happiness doesn't come from your spouse. That's your first problem right there, expecting your spouse to give you something only God can give you. Well, they don't make me happy anymore. No, you don't make you happy anymore. Happiness is a choice more than anything else. To see life differently, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. I think there's too much quitting going on. And if we'd yield to the love of God, the love of God would fix things supernaturally. There are reasons to get out of certain things. Like I said, somebody's punching, you block the punch, right? There's certain things you, you just don't put up with. And that wouldn't be you leaving, that'd be them pushing you away. So, love is not, okay, next verse, love, I believe the next verse is, love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. I think we just sum that up in this, love doesn't make a parade of itself. You know, you walk, there's two kind of people that walk in the room, right? One person walks in the room and says, there you are. Another person walks in the room and says, here I am. Well, love is the first one, right? <laughs> what kind of person are you? You walk in the room, here I am, or there you are. I have something to say. No, what do you have to say? That's an important truth. But let's go on, go to the next verse. Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. Love is not rude or unmannerly, and this doesn't stop once you're married. And love does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. Say this, love is not selfish. Um, why don't you turn to Philippians chapter 2. We'll come right back here. But I wanted to, to bring out another scripture on this selfishness thing that... I just think it's a very interesting scripture in Philippians 2. The, the thing about selfishness is interesting because it's, selfishness is like connected with this thought, well, if I don't claim what's mine, I'll, I'll lose it. Or if I don't put my foot down and, you know, demand my rights, then I won't, I won't get what, what do I have a right to. Well, that's just lack of faith that God will get it to you. How many of you know when you walk in love, you're going to be giving up some of your ability to get nice things in your life. So how are they going to get in your life? Uh, God? God will get it to you. A lot of violations of love are actually simply not trusting God to give you what you give up in the process of walking in love. God will give you anything you have to give up and way more. If, you'll, if you sacrifice something by walking in love toward other people, then God will make it up to you better than if you kept that thing. Yeah. You are following me? See, a lot of violations of love are simply not trusting God to come through for you when you give your life away to others. So what do we do? Well, we believe God. <laughs> Amen? We believe God's going to take care of me. He told me to walk in love. If I'm going to lose this or lose that or not get my rights, then God's just going to bring it back to me another way because I will not violate love. You know, it says in 1 John multiple times, God is love. So this is not just something he does. This is something he is. He's nothing so much as he is love. Aren't you glad the creator of the universe is love? <laughs> Woo, 
Could be different, right? That'd be terrible. Well, and he commands us to walk in love. You know why he commands us to walk in love? Because it's too important to him that we do without the blessings of love and the life of love. He's not going to just suggest something to us if it's really important for us and it's really good for us. So he, he commands us to walk in love, right? And if you do it willingly, you get a bigger reward. And I got to thinking one day, well, Lord, why do you command us to walk in love? He says, because I want you experiencing what I experience. I never fail. I'm never sick. I walk on streets of gold. I'm full of peace. In my, pre in my presence, there's fullness of joy. My right hand, pleasures forevermore. I just want you to have what I have. And the only way it comes is if you're like me. <laughs> See, that's different than a tyrant going, walk in love. God's saying, hey, I command you to walk in love because I want you to have what I have. This is too good to hold to myself only. I want you all to have what I have. The life, the brightness, the glory. So Philippians 2, look at verse 19. Remember, love is not selfish. Love seeks not her own. Paul said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. He's writing to the church at Philippi. Next verse. I have no one like Timothy who will naturally care for your state. Now, we got a lot of people doing things because they have to. We got a lot of people in the church doing things because it's their duty. We got a lot of people doing things, but you can tell they're not really into it. He said, but Timothy, this comes natural to him to take care of the church, to serve in the church, to take care of the church. Next verse. Paul said, oh my goodness, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. I thought it was interesting in this verse, just a side thought, that he says the things of Jesus Christ are things you do for the church. And he says all men seek their own, but they're not that interested in the things of Jesus Christ. You know, they treat the church like if I have time, I'll serve. If, if it's convenient, I'll serve. And, well, you know, I don't feel like going today, but I don't really need to call my leader. They'll find somebody. That's not, that's not recognizing that the church and the things in the church are the things of Jesus Christ because he's talking to Timothy ministering in the church of Philippi. Well, so here's the thing. All men seek their own. That's called everybody. Everybody has to be on guard for selfishness. All men have to be on guard for this. It is a subtle, sly, self-preserving natural quality that has surrounded us from the day we popped into this earth realm. <laughs> right? I mean, selfishness is everywhere. I, I think it's interesting, too, that when you go to 1 John, um, I think it's 1 John 3, or 1 John 2, the, uh, excuse me, 1 John five nineteen. it says that the whole world around us lies under the sway of the wicked one. New King James says the whole world that we live in, it all lies under the sway of the wicked one. In other words, don't look to the world to see what's right. Don't look to the world to see what's love. Don't look to the world. Don't even look to uh, people that, you know, are in, in power and in, in, in positions of authority. You got to There is, oh my goodness, more than ever violations of love are happening east to west, north to south. It's everywhere. And it's accepted. It's common. And you're almost weird if you don't join them. You know, the scripture in, in 1 Corinthians that we're reading right now about love, 
it says that love is, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, this is the love gauge. Okay, where are you at in love? Has anybody ever done you wrong? Is it on your ledger? Is it still in your mind? When you see him at the mall, do you walk on the other side? You understand, this is serious stuff. This is huge deal here. The love gauges. Are you ke keeping record of wrong? When you see somebody, are you, are you going, yeah, that rascal, they did me wrong. I can't believe them. What are you doing? Well, you're not walking in love is what you're doing because love takes no account of the evil done to it. <clears throat> now, when you really walk in the love of God like you're supposed to, you know, love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, believes the best of every person, not the worst. Do you know there are people actually going around looking for problems in people to make themselves not feel like such sinners? Now, now listen, when you really walk in love and let God take care of people, like King David, you know, I mean, the spear's right here. Saul's right there. Some deep sleep from the Lord fell upon him. He could have taken that spear and stabbed his enemy. But he said, uh-uh. He said, I'll not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do him any harm. And uh, he'll, he'll, he'll die eventually, probably on the battlefield, but I won't have any part of it. I won't have any part of somebody's reaping their bad harvest. I won't have any part of somebody else's failure. I won't do it. I don't want to be a part of anybody's downfall through gossip. And so really, when you're walking in love, you're going to look like a weak person to some people. Well, I wouldn't put up with that. I wouldn't put up with that. I'll tell you, I, I, would, I would tell them this, and I would write them that, and I would call an attorney, and I would do all this. Love wouldn't. Love doesn't keep a record of it. And it's interesting because Saul did die on the battlefield, but it wasn't by David's hand. He said, I'll not touch God's anointed. And this is interesting because God's anointed was trying to kill him with javelins. He had gotten to the point of, I don't even know, it might have been close to demon possession. Saul was messed up, man. Killed a bunch of priests for no reason. Yeah. Trying to kill David. And still David said, I'll not touch him. That's God's anointed. I'm not going to have anything to do with his downfall. 1 Samuel 26 says, I'll not have anything to do with his, with his downfall. He'll die sometime on the battlefield or something, but it ain't going to be by me. Mm -mm. He said, who can be guiltless after doing something like that? Well, I am. Um, are we in that verse right now? Um, have to be on guard for selfishness. So, why don't you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's take up where we left off. There's a couple other things I want to say before I let you go, but look here in 1 Corinthians 13 again, amplified version. Just go ahead and start in verse 5. Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. Halfway down, it says, love is not self-seeking, love's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. As I was pondering this earlier, I, I started to think about how many miracles people are missing by jumping the gun and trying to deal with things in their own power, take situations into their own hands. If people just wait a little longer, 
just be just just endure a little longer, just keep a smile on their face a little longer, they'd see a miracle of God come on the scene. But when they try to take things in their own hands, they kind of like say, God, you know, I don't need you right now. I'll fix this myself. And God's so loving and kind, he'll just let you try to do it yourself. Say this, I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, how many of you are doing all right today? Now, now you get a little understanding why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, is, this is so hard to do on your own. Now you get a little understanding. We need the Lord's you know, prepared us with many teachings on living a spirit-filled life. Because this is hard to do without the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. He will help you. He will help you go past the breaking point and not break. And people will say, oh, you got some kind of weakness in you. You got some kind of weakness in you. Actually, you have a strength they know nothing about. You're actually believing God to work things out. And you're just going to remain kind. You're going to remain honest. You're going to remain, you know, yep. cool. Even under pressure. If you want to grow in love, you have to go a little farther than where you've been going in your patience and in your kindness. If you want to grow in love, you're going to have to go a little farther than where you've been going in your forgiveness and not keeping record of wrongs. Now, of course, the devil's going to bring thoughts to your brain, but you recognize that's not the love of God. I'm not going to entertain that. All right. Let's read on here just a little bit. Next verse. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Now, I'm going to say a couple things here, and I'm going to read you a couple things from this book that I think will maybe jar you in a really good way. But before I do... Galatians 5, 6. They may put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love. Somebody tell me, how do you get healed if you're sick and you need help from God? How, how do you get healed? By faith in his word, right? You believe his word above the symptoms. You believe in God and your faith works. In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. But this is what, this is what really will get you somewhere. Faith which works by love. And if you want to stay healthy, anybody interested in staying healthy? Remember I said this is the best book on healing I could recommend right now? We need to keep loving if we want to stay healthy. Violations of love hurt your faith. And if your faith hurts, if your faith is hurt, you're receiving from God is hurt. The way God's designed the system, you can talk to him about it later. The way God designed the system is we receive from him by faith. And your faith does not work real good when you know you're violating love. One of the greatest things I know to destroy your confidence, and boy, you need confidence when you're under attack, is violations of love. Your heart will condemn you. You won't be able to receive from the Lord, though he's trying to get it to you. You won't be able to receive it because faith works by love. Um, I'm going to read you page 12, just a, a phrase here out of page 12 in the book Love the Way to Victory. So, he says here in a chapter, Characteristics of the God Kind of Love, he says, Fellow ministers have even told me, Boy, I sure wouldn't take it if I were you. 
I wouldn't put up with that because Kenneth Hagin was being severely persecuted here for preaching and just some other things. And they said, Brother Hagin, if I were you, I'd do something about it. But I didn't do anything about it. I just walked on in love and stayed healthy. I've noticed that some of those who said that to me died prematurely. So basically, these people are encouraging Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin, fight back. I mean, you don't have to take this stuff. You didn't do nothing wrong. Fight back. These people are lying about you. He goes, no, I'm not going to do it. I want to stay healthy. And he noticed the same people that were pushing him to fight back died prematurely. It, it's, it's more serious, I think, than we realize. Violating love, it, it's like breaking down a wall of protection. It, things don't happen overnight. And thank God these, these guys obviously didn't repent because repentance changes everything. I mean, if you know you're violating love, humble yourself and admit it. But I'm Irish or I'm Italian. Well, be a Christian <laughs> and let the love of God dominate you, right? So he, he says here, Brother Hagin says, many have failed and even died prematurely because they lived so much in the natural that they were always fussing and fighting. And that has an effect upon people, not only spiritually, but it has an effect upon them physically. Let me read you something else here. Page 13, he says, he said, I'm not going to contribute to anybody's downfall. Because, see, the people that were coming against him, he knew. You, you keep living like this without repentance, your foot will slide in due time. Something will get a hold of you because you can't live in a, in a zone of offense and strife and meanness for very long without something, opening the door to something you don't want in your life. I remember Brother Copeland teaching many years ago on how they did studies in UCLA and other places where they said that um, a lot of these situations of cancer and cancerous flesh is connected to bitterness and unforgiveness. Even, even doctors have studied that. Just that, that inward, I won't forgive them. And just that it's like it opened the door to physical problems in their life. And even the world tapped into that tr truth that God already spoke thousands of years ago. He says here, he says, you see, love takes no account of a suffered wrong. But once I get involved in contributing to someone else's downfall, it will affect me spiritually and physically. I don't want anything to hinder my spiritual growth. And I don't want to give the devil an open door to put sickness or disease on me either. I don't like sickness. I was sick for the, sick for the first 17 years of my life. And I don't want any part of sickness. And I know that in order to walk in health and to grow spiritually, a person has to walk in love toward others. I'd just rather let the Lord attend to any wrong done against me rather than getting involved myself because once I get involved I'll probably get into trouble spiritually besides two wrongs never make a right so he's tacking here and, and he I'm going to read you something here out of a chapter in just a second on um, um, failing to walk in love can affect your health but before we do that um, I am um, I was actually thinking about a scripture in it's not going to stay Galatians, I think it's Galatians, I think it's 6, where the Bible talks about believers falling into sin. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, Paul says, if you see a believer fall into sin, now listen very closely, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourselves. 
Do you see how love uh, believes the best of everyone? Love doesn't take record of wrongs. Love's more into restoring than exposing. I mean, we just, the first scripture we read, love covers a multitude of sins. And I was thinking about that scripture, and one time uh, Brother Hagin was teaching on this about how he, he asked the Lord, he said, how come we're not seeing a lot of restoration going on? It seems like we're seeing a lot of exposing, a lot of gossip, a lot of talking, but we're not seeing much restoration. A minister falls into sin, or another brother or sister falls into sin, and uh, it seems like everything is just, oh man, I can't believe they did that. Oh man, I can't believe that. Why isn't there much restoring going on? And the Lord said, well, read the verse. It's in, the answer is in the verse. You which are spiritual, restore. He said there's not many spiritual people around. A sign of spirituality and maturing spiritually is you restore people. You don't want to talk about people's mistakes. Do you want people talking about your mistakes? Right? You don't, you don't want to talk about things on Facebook. You don't want to get on social media and talk about, oh, I can't believe politicians are whoever. Hmm? I, I think Democrats need to give Trump a break, and I think Republicans need to give Biden a break. <laughs> I got political. That's it, though. That's it. I'm serious. I mean, who are we to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And God said, I'll make him stand. And so I was thinking about that, and I was um, pondering my own life in this area. I, you know, we've had a few people, you know, say things about us, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I've, I've been cussed out, F-word, left and right in public. I've been threatened with physical harm. We've had very interesting phone calls. We've, you know, I mean, we've had some very vehemenous things come against us in our ministry, in our, in our life. And... Uh, two people I'm thinking of right now that have severely, you know, just hurt and come against and lied and, and just all kinds of things. I, I just knew that we, we, we don't need to talk about this. We just need to pray for these people, love them, put them in God's hands because, I mean, I don't want to contribute to anybody's downfall either. I was remembering Brother Hagin's story and I, I'd read, I've read this book many times. I actually, well, after I read it, if I come a third or fourth time, Maybe, well, after we had that love seminar, Pastor Hooper asked me to preach at his church out there and took a Wednesday night service and I taught on this very subject. But I was thinking about these people and I thought, Lord, I don't want to contribute to anybody's downfall. We're very particular. We, want, we don't want anybody in the church talking about other people. We don't want anybody in the church knowing junk about other people. We don't want anybody gossiping. We want this church to be a church of love. Even though faith is the name on the sign, without love, it's nothing. And I was just thinking recently, I was just so sad because these two people that I'm mentioning, right, they're, 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 they died. They're gone prematurely. Yeah. Very prematurely. But thank God the Lord helped us to restrain ourselves so we wouldn't have any part of it. Yeah. We didn't want any part of anybody's downfall. But they hurt you. They, you should have. No, no, we learned a long time ago. We try to deal with it, then we mess things up, and then woe unto us that we are part of somebody else's reaping a bad harvest. I don't want that. It's like, it's like you just got to leave things in the hands of God and, and let things happen in, an, in another way. And um, sure enough, you know, you live like that very long. You open the door to stuff. And it's sad. I mean, I don't know how many times that's happened. I'm too particular, but I mean more. It's like you don't want to be a part of that. It's like we, we pray that doesn't happen. We pray that people get it together. We pray that people are restored. But if they refuse, well, 
you know, something's going to probably happen someday in their life. Let's finish off this verse, and we'll go ahead and close. I'm going to close a little early today. So go ahead, and let's finish off 1 Corinthians, and then we'll get ready to start to about wrap up. <laughs> Where are we at, guys? Verse 6, is it? Verse 7? Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but love rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to bleed the best of every person. Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And love endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, fades out, or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So, if you're like me, I read that and I go, huh. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lord. I feel like an infant in walking in love. But I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow and I'm going to develop and I'm going to believe that I can do what the Lord told me to do. I may not be perfect in it. I may need a lot of developing, but I'm going to believe that I can do what the Lord told me I can do. So, um, he says here in page 39, he says, if we'll just listen to the Bible and make the love of God our great quest and develop in the love of God on the inside, we will prosper in every area of life. So I'll just read you one, something else here before we close. So now I'm in the chapter, failing to walk in love can affect your health. I thought this was interesting. Just in case you don't have the book or if you get it later, just want to give it to this today on Valentine's Day. I've been in the healing ministry for nearly 60 years, and I know from experience that many Christians fail to receive healing because they're unwilling to straighten things out with other people. They're unwilling to rid their heart of anything that isn't right with God. And so he's, he's, he's seasoned. This is, he's been in the healing ministry for 60 years. He knows what it's like to be sick. He was sick for the first 17 years of his life. And I thought it was interesting he said that People, many Christians fail to receive their healing because it didn't say God fails to give. This is a receiving issue here. Love helps you to be a better receiver. You don't gain brownie points with God. And you go, oh, you're walking in love. Now I can heal you. Healing is coming into your life as much as you're letting it come into your life right now. Getting stuff like unforgiveness out of the way lets more healing in. It's not God wanting to heal you. It's you being more receptive. And I thought it was interesting. He said many Christians fail to receive their healing because they're unwilling to straighten things up with others. They're unwilling to rid their heart of anything that isn't right toward the Lord. Let me read you this here. Uh, here we go. He says, it is a scriptural principle that if you don't walk in love toward others, your faith won't work. If only people understood how much walking in love has to do with folks receiving their healing. Sometimes they just need to make an adjustment in their love walk before they can receive their healing. Folks ought to have enough sense to know that if they don't receive healing after hands have been laid on them a few times, particularly by those who are specially used by God along this line, they should look on the inside to see if they are out of line with God's word somewhere. They should check up on themselves and start changing it and making necessary adjustments because God never changes. 
But too many folks, or too, excuse me, but too many times when folks don't get healed, they want to lay all the responsibility on God or on someone else, but they need to check up on themselves. So, he's talking about when um, this one person, he said, when I straightened things out with this person that I was in strife with, I got healed. He said, the moment she started walking in love, she could claim God's promises about healing. Over a period of many years, I've had person after person tell me the same thing. They had to forgive someone and get the situation straightened out before they could receive their own healing. Some of them were even terminal cases. I never did have to pray for him or lay hands on him. Think about it. This man was healed of a terminal cancer when he exercised forgiveness. Then I've seen those same people make a trip to the prayer room and get their hearts right with God. Talking about other people that got healed this way. Then you didn't even have to pray for these sick people. Their illness has disappeared completely when they made adjustments in their heart and started walking in love, forgiving people that wronged them and getting out of strife. He said, I've been in the healing ministry for nearly 60 years, and I know from experience that so many Christians fail to receive their healing because they're unwilling to straighten things out with others. And I just read you that, and I wanted to read it to you again. I think that's it. Praise the Lord. Anybody happy besides the preacher? Here's a closing thought. You ready? And this is totally hypothetical, but if you were the devil <laughs> and you wanted to stop God's influence in the earth, you wanted to stop churches, you wanted to stop healings, you wanted to stop people getting saved, you wanted to stop miracles, what would you attack if you were the devil? The healing? Speaking in tongues? Miracles aren't for today? Or would you attack the one thing that nullifies, if it, you attack the one thing that if that thing's not working right, nothing else works right? right. And what would you bomb? Right? What would you bomb? An airplane hangar over here and a foxhole over here? Or would you bomb the center of all of it that just diminishes all of it? Well, you'd go for the thing that makes none of it work. And the enemy knows, and this is why we need to be very, very keen in walking in love. Not afraid, not stressed, but very interested in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, every day. I mean, if I was God, I'd command us all to read that scripture every day. <laughs> but I'm not God, it's between you and the Lord. I, I would say read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, every day until you see Jesus. Because, see, then when you start to drift into something... And you know, you can sense a violation of love when more of these scriptures are in you, uh, violations of, the, of love show up more clearly. The more of these scriptures are in you, and you're gonna, you're gonna, your brain's going to go, I know that, I know that, I know that. That doesn't mean it's sunk down into your heart yet, though. Just because your brain said it's had enough doesn't mean your heart's had enough. Let these sayings sink down in your ears. Get them in your spirit. Get them on the inside of you. Why? Because the days we're living in are actually requiring this. The enemy wants us violating love so our faith's not ready for his next attack. Whether it be upon our world, our country, you personally, your marriage, your kids. How many want your faith in good shape? Yeah. So here's what I believe we should do before we close. Why don't we all just stand up, if you want to, and we're gonna, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and we're just going to go ahead and just kind of clean house. Can we do that? 
I mean, I, I, I've seen some things I could improve in just by reading this today. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus and claim forgiveness in this area right now. So why don't we just admit it? <laughs> We're not there yet. And, and the Lord's not, the Lord's not mean. He, and he's not unreasonable either. You know, just measurable progress and reasonable time. I mean, it's, God's not unreasonable. So, Father, right now, we just thank you that you have given us light from your word. You've quickened us in areas that we needed to be quickened in. Maybe you've shown some things up that we needed to see. And you know what, Lord? We're, we're pliable. We're, we're not starchy. We, we're, we can change. We can change. We know we're not perfect, and none of us is complete in love yet, so we've all got places to go in this area. And we thank you for helping us to come up in love, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we're going to just pray a prayer right now. And we're going to believe for your help. And we're going to believe for your cleansing. And we're going to go from this place fresh and squeaky clean and new in this area because of your precious blood, Lord. So, guys, if you want to pray this prayer, pray it. If you just say it from your heart. It's basically, we're just going to, you know, make any adjustments we need to make. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for violations of love, for being touchy, fretful, resentful, for keeping score of wrongs, remembering other people's sins. Forgive me, Lord, for maybe not believing the best of every person but looking at their shortcomings. Father, forgive me for not being patient and kind. I'll do better because by your grace, I will do better. I repent for any unforgiveness. If I've held ill will, wrong feeling, or animosity toward anyone, I stop it. I quit doing it. I resist it. If it comes, I know I haven't sinned. But if I entertain it, I'll need to repent again. I resist it. I repent for any and all violations of love. And I thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You have not dealt with us after our sins. You've not rewarded us according to our iniquities. We did not receive the punishment we deserved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just thank the Lord for that. Father, we thank you and we praise you for receiving our prayer for helping us, forgiving us, restoring us, cleansing us. Oh, dear Father, we thank you. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning. Thank you, Father God, for the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.